Hello and welcome to a VJ Oncology podcast. We are a global open access multimedia channel that brings you the latest research updates in oncology through innovative digital media. Today, we will be hearing from several leading experts in breast cancer discussing the latest trial updates presented at this year's San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium. First up, we hear from Priya Rostogi of the University of Pittsburgh as she discusses the primary results from the Monarchy study evaluating abemocyclib and adjuvant endocrine therapy for high-risk hormone receptor positive early breast cancer. We're really excited about the Monarchy results. Um, to me, the most striking uh, piece of data uh, from, from the whole presentation is that what we see is that um, initially at the second interim, we had a hazard ratio of 0.74, and now the, con- the curves continue to separate. So we see a hazard ratio of 0.713. So this now equates to a 28.7% reduction in um, risk of developing an invasive disease-free survival event. So um, that is really exciting that the results continue to demonstrate efficacy. Um, In terms of a summary of the study, this study was for patients with hormone receptor positive, HER2 negative, node positive breast cancer. We had two cohorts. Cohort one included patients with clinical or pathological high-risk features. So greater than greater than or equal to four positive nodes or one to three nodes with a tumor greater than uh, five centimeters or uh, grade three disease. In the second cohort, we had um, eligibility based on key 67, which had to be greater than or equal to to 20%. The other uh, two pieces that were very important from this data were the distant relapse-free survival. There was a meaningful reduction in developing distant METs with a 31.3% reduction with the abemocyclib with endocrine therapy. And then also with the key 67 in the high-risk group or the patients who had greater than 20% for both cohort one and cohort two that there was a 30.9% reduction with hazard ratio of 0.691. I should back up a little. The randomization was to uh, after patients finished chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery, that they were randomized to bemocyclib with endocrine therapy. The bemocyclib was administered for two years, endocrine therapy for at least five years, and um, the other group received um, endocrine therapy. So you really feel this meets uh, for these patients with a high unmet need. These are very clinically meaningful results. Secondly, we spoke to Sarah Tulane of the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, who gives us a roundup of the practice changing Rx Bonder trial, which investigated whether chemotherapy could be spared in node positive early stage breast cancer. From San Antonio this year, a very practice-changing study that came out at this meeting is the RESPONDER trial. So this trial was taking patients who had hormone receptor positive disease with one to three positive lymph nodes and randomized them to get chemotherapy followed by endocrine therapy or endocrine therapy alone. And this was for patients who had um, an Oncotype DX test done with a recurrence score that was less than or equal to 25. And so this has been a long-standing question for us is can we use genomic assays even in patients with nodal involvement to help select which patients need chemotherapy versus not. Um, And the study showed that in postmenopausal women, there was no benefit 
to chemotherapy if your recurrence score was under 25. So this is very practice changing because it tells us now that we should be sending genomic assays in our postmenopausal patients with up to three positive nodes. And again, if their score comes back under 25 with one to three positive nodes, there's no indication for chemotherapy. I think the sort of challenging data that emerges from this study though is in the premenopausal patients, there did seem to be benefit from chemotherapy. And so there's an absolute benefit uh, of 5% in terms of invasive disease-free survival. And there was also a survival benefit of about 1%. Um, and so I think this draws a lot of questions because you know the majority of people in this trial did not get ovarian suppression. And we do wonder, is the chemotherapy in these young patients causing suppression of ovarian function that is leading to this additional benefit, or is it really the chemotherapy that's you know, killing cancer cells and having benefit? And it's hard to figure that out. You know, when you look at, we try to tease it out by looking at age, um, which could help us understand the probability that the chemotherapy could have caused this change in ovarian function. And there is some suggestion that that could be the case, but we don't know if that's driving all of this benefit. And so I think it's gonna leave us with a lot of challenges in clinic about what to do for our premenopausal patients who have recurrent scores under 25 with up to three positive nodes. Um, I think some of us may consider looking at the absolute recurrent score to help guide us because we know that those patients who had lower recurrent scores had smaller absolute benefit from chemo. Whereas if your score was like between 13 and 25, your benefit was you know 6%. So I think that could help tease out which patients we may want to sway towards chemotherapy. Finally, we hear from Sarah Havitz of Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center, who discusses biomarker analysis of the ASCENT study, evaluating a novel antibody drug conjugate in triple negative metastatic breast cancer. The ASCENT clinical trial was a study to evaluate sasetuzumab govotecan, an anti-trope 2 antibody drug conjugate in triple negative metastatic breast cancer in patients who'd received um, more than two lines of prior therapy in the metastatic setting, um, or greater than or equal to two lines of therapy in the metastatic setting. Um, it's an exciting trial because it did demonstrate an improved uh, progression-free survival as well as a significantly improved overall survival for patients randomly assigned to receive sasetuzumab compared to treatment of physician's choice, which is single agent chemo. So what we wanted to do was actually look at the biomarkers um, from this study, um, two of which were um, uh, trope 2, uh, which is the target that the ADC is going after, and whether or not levels of expression correlated with efficacy as well as looking at BRCA, uh, BRCA mutation status, germline mutation status. Now we know that trope two is expressed in all different subtypes of breast cancer and in preclinical models, trope two expression correlated with um, worse prognosis and uh, uh, sasetuzumab appeared to work better based on tumors that had higher expression of trope two. And the reason we wanted to look at BRCA status is because um, the pay load SN38 for the sasetuzumab govotecan, it actually works by um, 
by increasing single-strand DNA breaks, um, irrespective of BRCA mutation status. And because uh, patients with BRCA mutations have difficulty with repairing double-strand breaks, it would make sense that perhaps those with a BRCA mutation might be particularly um, benefiting from sasituzumab govotecan. So in this clinical trial, um, BRCA mutation status um, was uh, assessed in patients who had known status. Um, so, and about seven or eight percent of patients were known to have a BRCA mutation. In terms of trope two expression, um, our analysis indicated that trope, trope two expression was moderate to high in over three quarters of patients' um, tumors that were submitted um, and analyzed, which is pretty impressive. impressive. In fact, more than 50% of patients had high trope two expression based on an H score, an immunohistochemical assay. Um, and then we looked at um, whether or not the progression-free survival or overall survival um, differed based on um, uh, trope two expression. And um, actually we showed that there were higher efficacy outcomes observed in patients treated with sasituzumab govotecan who had a medium to high trope two H score versus those treated with treatment of physician's choice. Um, and there was clinical benefit of sasituzumab um, versus TPC um, irrespective of level of trope two expression. Um, moreover, we showed that sasituzumab outperformed treatment of physician's choice uh, regardless of the germline BRCA1 or 2 mutation status at the time of study entry. Um, now, we do um, recommend exercising a bit of caution here in interpreting these data um, given the very small sample sizes and the very small numbers of patients who were known to have a BRCA2 or BRCA1 mutation. Um, trope 2 expression did not uh, Fear, appear to affect efficacy outcomes in this um, analysis. So overall, um, sasituzumab govotecan did appear to benefit all subgroups, irregardless or regardless of trope two expression or BRCA mutation status. Um, but these are somewhat interesting data, in my opinion, um, uh, because um, you know we didn't identify a subgroup of patients who don't appear to benefit from sasituzumab. If you have found this podcast useful, please leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app, including Apple and Spotify, so we can continue to deliver expert-led content to you. Follow us on Twitter at VJ Oncology and join in the conversation. And finally, don't forget to visit vjoncology.com for all the latest updates in the breast cancer field.